Hey guys, today we're doing a special episode of the FT News Briefing. We're sharing a live conversation I hosted this week in Miami, Florida at the FT's Investing in America conference. At the conference, we revealed which U.S. cities are the friendliest places for foreign investors to park their money. Last year, Miami topped the list. This year, Houston, Texas won. For this chat, I was joined by some of my colleagues at the FT and our sister publication, FDI Intelligence. They pulled back the curtain for me to reveal how the rankings got done. And I got to say, it was a great conversation. So I want to share it with you now. Here we go. Let me quickly introduce our guests. Uh, We have Amanda Chu, our U.S. energy correspondent. She put the list together. And yeah, why not? (laughs) Yeah, why not? We have Peter Spiegel, our U.S. managing editor. If you have any problems with the list, please bring them to Peter. Blame me, yes. We have Jacopo Dettoni, who is editor for FDI Intelligence, which is our sister publication. And we have Chris Knight, who is our managing director of FDI. So we're going to kick things off with Amanda. Um, And basically, the question on everyone's mind is, why Houston? Thanks very much, Mark. Um, I mean, I guess to start off, I'm just going to quickly paint the picture of the state of foreign direct investment in the U.S. right now, just to understand where the ranking is situated in. We see that, you know, the U.S. continues to be the top destination for foreign direct investment in the world. However, foreign investment did slip in 2022 due to just a tough global macroeconomic backdrop. But this doesn't really paint the full picture because if we look at foreign direct investment in greenfield projects, and these are the kind of projects that create new jobs and new assets, we see that it has really surged year over year, almost entirely driven by manufacturing. So why does the, why did I paint a picture of this? Um, So Houston's leadership in the ranking is really emblematic of the kind of industrial molecular transformation underway in the U.S. economy right now. The U.S. for the first time in decades has historic industrial policies to boost production in semiconductors and clean energy. And Houston, as the oil and gas epicenter of the U.S., is well-primed for this investment. We've seen a number of notable electric vehicle and clean tech manufacturing projects in the past year. Um, Energy heritage aside, Houston tops our ranking by being able to perform well across multiple, often rival categories. For instance, Houston has a really friendly business environment. Taxes are low. Um, labor laws are friendly. Um, while at the same time, like being a relatively, it's a pretty affordable place to live in, um, given that Houston is one of the largest cities in the US. So, you know, it's affordable. It has low taxes. Um, but at the same time, like Houston is able to perform well in categories like foreign business needs. It has one of the busiest airports and seaports in the U.S., um, and it also has a really strong working age population and college-educated population. And so achieving this balance is why Houston topped our ranking this year. Based on what you said, why did Miami drop? I think it was six slots. I mean, right, I'm sure people are curious about that. And I also thought that Lionel Messi had to count for something, right? (laughs) Gets you some points. 
Yeah, I mean, if we see here, Miami did slip in our rankings from first to sixth. Um, and I want to point to two reasons for that. One, as we flagged pretty openly on the ranking page and in our methodology, the ranking from last year is not directly comparable to the ranking this year because last year was the first time we released this ranking and we got a lot of feedback on how we should have measured things differently. And some of the new metrics include climate risk, um, entertainment variables. We changed the way that we measure cost of living to be more reflective of the market. And we also gave cities points for infrastructure in like the neighboring metropolitan statistical area if they didn't have it within their actual city. And then second reason why Miami shifted in its performance this year is because some of the variables in our ranking are highly variable year over year. So Miami fell because of higher cost of housing, higher cost of office space, and our new climate risk variable. And this is not to say that you know Miami is not a good place for business. Miami, if you look at our investment trends category, is among the top cities when it comes to securing foreign direct investment this year. And so it, it does remain a top destination for companies when considering locating in the U.S. I mean. If, if you look at purely FDI inward bound, mm -hmm. Miami, I think, is first or second. And so it still is an amazing magnet for foreign direct investment. Yeah. But all you need to do is walk around town. I mean, yeah. the fact there's so much construction is because mm -hmm. the one thing that can slow the city down is housing costs. And there's just, the housing costs have gone up exponentially. And if you look at the thing where Miami has slipped, it has been in that, in that quality of life area because of that, the increased uh, housing costs. Now, I'm glad that you brought that up because uh, you bring up a good point that these can be sliced and diced in so many ways and people may have an issue with the way we do the rankings, which is why we try and do the criteria out in the open to explain things. Why even bother doing the list? Yeah, it's a good question. And, you know, Amanda and I were just backstage talking. We're already getting feedback from Washington, D.C. He's not so happy with their ranked. Um, but the thing that we like about it is people are talking about the issue. We think this is an issue that is not focused on enough by both policymakers and by the media, frankly. Doing a ranking that allows you to bring in all these metrics and get people talking about it is kind of what we want to do. And we have, at Amanda's suggestion, um, we have a, a slide in there. If you don't think we gave enough credit for inward investment, you can slide up and make your own ranking. So, uh, Jacopo, can you talk about some of the trends that you saw when looking through this list and putting, helping uh, put the data into this list? Yeah, thank you, Mark. I think that something that is uh, worth highlighting is the fact that uh, most of uh, the locations that score highly in the rankings they uh, perform very well in the, in the talent and work for uh, mm. category. Uh, this is very consistent with uh, evidence that we, we can pull from our database of the fact that uh, foreign investors, they regularly score uh, talent and work for availability as one of the, their main motives of, of uh, investment, of investment decisions. Uh, obviously, this is uh, due to the nuances of the knowledge economy, but not necessarily. We see, for example, in Phoenix, TSMC, they had to stop construction on a fab, on a, on a cheap manufacturing plant because they couldn't find a skilled enough construction workers. So I guess that... Jacobo's looking at me because I'm from Phoenix. So he's <laughs> Phoenix I know that he's a Phoenix man. Um, so it's, it's talent is not necessarily just about like the top end of the, 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 the skill spectrum. Yeah but also the, the lower end. Um, and and uh, in, in this new paradigm shift of uh, also hybrid working, I think that uh, something that is, a, is a, a, an evolution that we've seen in the past few years is that uh, it's not just company, um, workers chasing companies around the big business centers, mm -hmm. but today is also 
uh, companies chasing workers, particularly mm. in, in particular like segments of the job market. Think of uh, IT and programming. Nowadays, you don't need to uh, put together a team of uh, programmers, developers in San Francisco anymore yeah. uh, because you can have like, you know, dispersed work, uh, work teams. And this really changes, changes or, or evolves the paradigm shift of uh, how you attract investment. Chris, I, I want to know what investors in cities do when they see this list. How do they incorporate it into their strategies and uh, you know, the like? I think first, if we start with the cities, the economic developers, the first thing I suggest is don't sit back and pat yourself on the back and think your job's done. You know, you need people to know that you're winning, that you're in the top 10, you're in the top 15. But more than that, you need to know why you're there. You need to understand the data. So if you're Miami, I would be looking into why are we not in first position now and what do we need to change for the coming years? If I'm an investor, of course, this is a ranking, this is a snapshot. What it's doing is it's aggregating the United States for you. So it's, it's making your short list of locations to consider. But it is also worth noting every single investor has got different drivers mm. for their needs. It stops you going through 200 locations. You can start with 20 locations and then dig into these and see which is best need for your needs. I have a question about... Um the no good deed goes unpunished thing, right? So these cities are probably having a hard time adapting to how popular that they're becoming, right? You talked about how expensive they are, and obviously it's because they are so popular, and that has happened before the FT puts them on the list. And I'm curious how they absorb these things, these, these good hits, for lack of a better term, and still make it sustainable for the broader population. And that, this is for anyone who wants to take it. So it, 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 one of the stories we have in our supplement today is about this very fact. I think we did it on Columbus, Ohio. Mm -hmm. Because, again, uh, unemployment is something like 1.5%. Uh, there's a tight labor market, housing shortage. It is a real challenge for... New for, Intel plant going up there, right? Exactly. Like a billion dollars or something Ex like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. And, and again, Miami's a perfect example of that, where housing costs have gone up because it's so popular and drawing so much investment. So it's a real challenge for, for policymakers in particular, um, schools, housing, infrastructure. But in general, what we have found in our reporting, it's a, a challenge that policymakers like to have. Mm -hmm. It's better than the opposite, which right. is my, my city's falling apart and I, I can't attract business here. So it is a real challenge, particularly in the current environment, which is why we've emphasized the, the, the workforce and talent issue that Jacobo mentioned, because right now the labor market in the U.S. is so tight, finding those, those skilled people in Phoenix or elsewhere is top of the list. Um, and so as a result, there are real challenges for cities on the list that are on the top because uh, it does bring knock-on effects what I've noticed with a lot of cities is over the years, it's always been, let's attract more FDI, more FDI, or more investment, bring all the investors in. Some are starting to tweak and working more to bring talent in. Mm. They're putting talent attraction programs like, let's say, Tulsa Remote, where they're incentivizing people with $10,000 to move. So they've got the workforce to then start looking at investors. We also made a joke once and said, it, you know, it used to be you go to all these trade shows to meet businesses. Soon the cities will be going to like university fairs to try and get people to move to their cities. Sure. And you'll be doing that type of event to get the talent. And that's probably why you see cities that are still prohibitively expensive, like Seattle in the top 10, and Boston, I think is 11 or something like that, because they have the knowledge economy that you mentioned, Jacopo, but also because they have the knowledge economy there, they have the talent there too. 
Um, we're, sorry, I think I went a little over, but it's time for questions. I'm sure there are some. Um, if you have a question, please just stand up, raise your hand, and someone will come over to you with a microphone. Hello, I'm Andrew Frey, uh, head of real estate for the city of Miami. A uh, question about the openness ranking. Just judging from what I'm seeing on the screen here, it, it looks like Miami may be the lowest or second lowest after Pittsburgh. But I think people might typically have a, an idea that Miami is very open and immigrant friendly. Miami does score relatively high on the openness category, which considers two metrics, foreign-born population and racial diversity. To measure foreign-born population, it's just the share of foreign-born residents, relatively simple. Miami scores, I think, among the top, if not the top on that metric. When it comes to racial diversity, however, the metric that we use and the census uses is the likelihood that when you select two people at random in a population, they will be of different races. And um, Miami scores, it still scores high on that, but I think because it's more of, it is a diverse place, but it's more like split even among certain populations or certain racial groups, the, they don't score as high. So it's more of a, how we chose to measure racial diversity. Are there other questions? I see one right there. Thank you. On that same vein, uh, you were talking about how the openness ranking includes the foreign-born population and racial diversity. Was LGBTQIA uh, plus friendliness included in there or any of the EU sustainable development goals, uh, friendliness, openness toward sustainability in there as well? No, it, like I said, it's only racial diversity and foreign-born population. That was one of the things that was suggested last year to include. However, when we make a ranking, we consider two things, like can we find that data readily available for all 91 cities without a lot of missing gaps? And then secondly, is this data going to change year over year? And we couldn't find sufficient data for all 91 cities. And so as a result, we couldn't include that in this year's ranking. And then on climate, we did include, so uh, you may remember last year when we, we announced this, it, we announced that Miami is the winner the week after a hurricane hit um, Southeast Florida. So we decided uh, we probably should put climate uh, as part, climate risk as part of the, the measurement. You wanna talk a bit about how, how we did that and, and, and what data we used for that? Yeah, sorry, I missed the second part of your question. So for, in terms of environmental risk, we use the FEMA risk index, which considers um, the likelihood of a few natural hazards in a city, as well as um, uh, the city's, what actions the city has taken to be climate resilient. So it's not only your vulnerability to natural or to, um, hazardous events, but also like what the city has done to try to mitigate damage from these events. And the data for that is relatively recent. I think it was just released earlier this year, if not late last year. Uh, we have several more questions. Right, the yes, uh, right there. Thank you very much once again. As a consul general in Miami, it is a bit disappointing to see Miami is going <laughs> from top to six. But at the same time, I'm curious to know New York, New York is down from a third to 23rd, mm. a large down. Is it just as a case of Miami? Is it also because of the uh, cost of workspace, cost of office space or housing, which affects the index of the uh, quality in life? I'll hand over to, to Amanda for, for, for that answer, but just one last thing on Miami. I'm sure once we had a nonstop flight from Tokyo to Miami this year, it will go back up in the rankings. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway, Amanda, New York, because we both looked at this and we were, we were uh, that, was, that was a big draw. Yeah, so the question is why did New York not perform as well in this ranking as it did last year? Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, like I said before, I think when it comes to changes in performance, it's down to two or three factors. One is we just added at least 12 new metrics this year and we changed the way that we measure cost of living. And I don't think it's new to anyone that New York has a cost of living issue. And so that, um, that contributed to the change in its performance. The second reason is just change on like year over year when it comes to variables. And then the last thing just gets a bit more statistical, but just it's really easy to fluctuate throughout the rankings because these cities are on a normal distribution and it's really easy to follow if you're somewhere like towards the upper level of the ranking. And I, and I think uh, <clears throat> if I may add uh, an interesting element also is the fact that uh, many of the, the, the cities that are the, the feature highly in the ranking, uh, they belong to counties. Those counties that in the latest census, they, they, they received the, the highest positive net migration over the past like couple of years, right? So in a way, it seems to suggest that uh, cities that are good at attracting uh, people to live in, they're also uh, good cities uh, to attract investors. And this goes back to this idea that talent has become so predominant in the investment proposition of, uh, of, of a city. And really, it's a, it's a deal breaker when it comes to, to attracting foreign investors. In some ways, it was not that New York fell so far, but that other cities moved up because of some of these, these metrics we included. We'll give the example of Long Beach. So Long Beach, when we did uh, last year, we considered just as its own city. And it didn't get advantage of LAX or the port, of, the port of Los Angeles because we didn't consider Long Beach part of the general Southern California area. We decided this year that that wasn't fair. That wasn't fair not to give cities like Long Beach credit for the metropolitan area. Well, suddenly Long Beach moves up in the, in the ranking with some advantage that New York we already knew had. It has an airport. It has, it has a, a port. Um, other cities, a lot, the, the whole Dallas area takes advantage of that. They, were, they got very good because... Uh, Toyota is in the Dallas area, so a lot of the Dallas area gets, gets credit for, for Toyota in, in FDI. So, again, a bit of it is methodology, but we adopted this methodology largely because of the session we did, this session we did last year, which is getting input from people, what do we think we should change, and input over the course of the following months to make the, 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 the rankings feel a little bit more accurate. All right, that wraps things up. Thanks for joining me on a Saturday. Again, this was a conversation about this year's Investing in America rankings. Thanks to Peter Spiegel, Amanda Chu, Jacopo Dittoni, and Chris Knight. If you want to check out the complete rankings, just head to our show notes. We got the link there. Thanks again, and I'll see you on Monday. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit from a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.